so that we can hold fast to sound doctrine. So guide and direct our steps tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. This is where we left off last Wednesday night. I had taken you to this passage. And uh, we find here, in a nutshell, if there's any one small portion of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that I think so clearly defines the purpose and the work that a church is supposed to be involved in, uh, I, I would have to say it's got to be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And as we get to verse number 11, the Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. And so again, we mentioned this last Wednesday, but Paul refers to those that are swayed in their doctrine, that are tossed by every wind of doctrine uh, as children. Those that, are not, that have not grown in the Christian life, they're still children and have not sunk their roots deep into the Word of God and in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, the Bible says. And the importance of those of us that have been saved and trusted Christ as our Savior, the importance that we should place on studying diligently, daily, so that we become more and more grounded each and every day of our lives in the truth of doctrine. And so he teaches about this here, that these children, not speaking of their chronological age, but their spiritual maturity, that they're tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so the idea that the maturing, the uh, growing up, uh, the getting uh, stronger in the Christian life ought to be the pursuit of each and every one of us. And God has given us uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to accomplish, help accomplish this work in the hearts of people. Um, we said last week Satan has two things that he has done from the beginning of time. Uh, all the way back you can find these two tactics being used even in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. And that is this. He will take a little bit of truth and then he will mix his lie in with it. And when we deal with the topic of false teachers and trying to have discernment and have understanding uh, of who false teachers are, one of the things that is a telltale sign is when they take some truth and then they mix something else into it that is not truth. The second thing that is a tactic is Satan always tries to bring confusion and de-emphasize uh, the gospel, the truth of the Bible actually, the scriptures themselves. He tries to uh, corrupt them, cause men to lose faith in their truthfulness and in their inerrancy, in their infallibility. And that's why uh, the version of Scripture that we use matters. Because Satan has used multiple versions of English uh, Bibles uh, in these recent years to create uh, an unbelievable amount of distrust and confusion and even denial that this book is the Word of God. Now they people say that it contains the thoughts of God, but not His words. Or it contains uh, what He wants us to know, but not necessarily the things that He said to us. 
And it is vitally important that if we are to have pure doctrine, if we are to make sure that all the doctrine we receive and that we hold to is right and sure, that it is based on a pure word. If the word is corrupt, then the doctrine becomes corrupt. And it is vitally, vitally important that we hold to uh, this Bible, this book we call the Bible. And we believe that uh, very strongly that the King James Version, the old King James Version, by the way, not the new one, is the preserved, supernaturally preserved, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, every word of it. Uh, some people said, I believe this book from cover to cover. I even believe the cover. And the cover says, Holy Bible. I believe that. Uh, it is the Word of God. It's vitally important we know this. And so a false teacher uh, is oftentimes going to de-emphasize or try to undermine the authority of God's Word. Every time a preacher stands in the pulpit and tries to correct Scripture, he is undermining the very authority that he's standing on to preach. There's nothing that we can preach that is authoritative. If you're trusting Greg Boer's opinion on something, can I tell you this? You are barking up the wrong tree. I can tell you that firsthand. My opinion has gotten me in more trouble than I know. It is not the authority or the foundation of doctrine. It is not. This book must be. And it's our authority. So when we preach, it's got to be foundational. And so these two tactics, to add to the truth of God, these lies and, and deceitfulness, and to undermine the true word of God, uh, to cause people to lose faith in it, to lose heart in it. These are the two tactics, tactics that Satan has used <coughs> over the years. Now, at the very end of last week, uh, I gave you... Um, I think it was five things very quickly just by way of prefacing some scriptural principles that we're going to give you to look at tonight. Um, there are five things that are kind of telltale signs uh, about false teachers. Why is this important? Uh, a number of months ago I got up and, and we did a whole probably seven, eight, maybe ten weeks or so on the Word of Faith movement, the false teachers that are in that movement, those that are teaching doctrinal error, and, and hundreds of thousands, if not millions at this point, of people are following their teachings. I can stand in this church and I can tell you, they, they, this person's a false teacher, here's what he's teaching, let me show you in Scripture where he's wrong on that. And I can do that, but there's going to come a time where I may not be here. Uh, I don't know if the Lord, I don't have any hope of leaving the church, but if God took me home suddenly... I would want our people to be grounded in having the ability to go to Scripture and to compare and to, and to weigh the teaching of a man with Scripture and come to the conclusion this is either a, a right teacher, a, a doctrinal sound teacher, or this is a false teacher. They, we shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to be told uh, this is a, this is, when you, when you watch something on the internet or you watch something on the television set, don't get me wrong, I, I, I you can call me anytime and I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, the thumbs up or thumbs down on it, but let me tell you this, you need to be able to discern it yourself also from God's word, to have enough knowledge of true and pure doctrine to take what this person is saying and to weigh it with Scripture and to say this man is either teaching right doctrine or he is a heretic. He is a false teacher. And so the purpose of teaching these, this lesson last week and this week is to help equip you and to give you tools from Scripture to discern 
uh, what false teachers are. So five things I gave you. I'm going to run through them very quickly, and then I'm going to go to. We're going to look at some scriptural principles tonight. First of all, false teachers will prey on spiritual immaturity. P R E Y, by the way, uh, they prey. They they hunt for. They feast upon spiritual immaturity. Um, that's why Paul was telling them not to be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but that they grow up in the knowledge, the truth uh, of God. Uh, because uh, those that are spiritually immature are ripe picking for false teachers. That's where they get their following from. You go to any church that's teaching false teaching today where people are actively and ardent followers of that, of that uh, ministry, you can rest assured it's because of spiritual immaturity. They just don't know what the Bible says. And they just say, I don't want to take the time. I don't want to spend the effort. I don't have enough interest to study it for myself. I want somebody to tell me, and I'm going to trust that guy up there in the pulpit to do so. Folks, that is not a good enough reason to believe a doctrine. We must know our Word of God. Uh, the second one is false teachers are oftentimes the product of distorted interpretations of scriptures. Now, some of it can be from ignorance, in which case they shouldn't even be a preacher. Uh, and then some of it could be uh, from uh, being just deceitful. And a lot of the false teachers are deceitful, and they will intentionally misinterpret and misapply scriptures. And they do it, the Bible says, for gain, to make merchandise of you. They do it for the almighty dollar. They do it for the next big, big uh, New York Times bestseller book that they get a multi-million dollar contract to write. Uh, they do it for that reason. And so they will take scriptures, and they will twist them, and they will make some of the most distorted twisting of scripture that you've ever seen in your life. Um, I was going to share one with you, but I think I may wait till I, I've got another message I'm preparing. I'm going to probably save that one for uh, about Joyce Meyer, but I'll, I'll, if you want to know it personally, I'll, I'll try to maybe tell you later on it. But um, there are so many of them. And I could give you illustration after illustration of some, some folks that uh, they take a verse of Scripture or they take a passage of Scripture and they twist it to mean something that it does not mean to teach something that will help people give money to their ministry. And uh, they do it for that reason. The third thing I said is that false teachers uh, grow from ungodly ambition they either have an ungodly motive behind it, health, wealth, whatever it is, uh, fame, fortune, uh, whatever the purposes are. They have an ungodly uh, ambition. They do it to uh, please their own flesh. They do it through ignorance. And there are some that do it through ignorance, but there are most of them do it through conceit. They do it because of the pride of their heart. They want to be the noted speaker. They want to be the, the one that's telling you something new that you've never heard before. This preacher out in Oklahoma I told you about a couple of weeks ago that had supposedly the greatest Easter service ever. Um, and if you've ever taken, if you, some of you may have taken some time to, to see some videos on that, it was, it was, it was absolutely blasphemous. Uh, the whole purpose of that was conceit. We, we want to, and his comment was that they, he was talking to his creative team apparently, and uh, he said, now we can't just do the, the, the account the way the scriptures. We've got to blow the doors off this thing. We've got to make it spectacular. And they said, well, pastor, how far do you want us to go? And here's what his words were exactly. 
everything we can short of sin itself. Folks, that is never, never the position of God or the Scripture and should not be the position of any pastor to do everything he can to do some kind of spectacular um, get the attention of people short of sin. In other words, we're going to go right up to that threshold, and I'll be real frank with you. Seeing some of the clips of what they did, they did not meet that standard. They went way over the boundary of sin. And I will tell you this, they do it because of conceit. They want to be the best. They want to be the biggest. They want to get the people who say, well, the Bible is boring. They want to, they want to appeal to them and get them all excited, but then never teach them any doctrine and any truth. And I heard one of these fellows a number of years ago uh, make a statement, a friend of mine actually heard him make the statement and told it to me, that one of these, uh, these uh, seeker-friendly pastors that was kind of the pioneering of that movement years ago was in a conference, this was about seven or eight years ago, and he got up in a conference and he made this statement. He said, folks, we have learned to draw a crowd and we have lost our congregations. And that's the truth of it. They've done it because of conceit. They've done it because of pride. They wanted the biggest, the best. They wanted to be recognized as the leader of a ministry that was the biggest, best in the world. Folks, if God puts us in a church that is the most humble, the smallest church, but is a doctrinally sound church, you cannot find a church more powerful than that. It is a church that can do things for the Lord and do it rightly. And I've learned a long time ago, uh, I don't worry about the numbers. The Lord will take care of that. We teach the Bible. We don't, try to, we don't try to gimmick people to come to church. We teach the truth of the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to draw them. He's the one that does the work. Number four, false teachers are often seekers of material gain. And that, of course, goes without saying. I think most all of us here can understand that. And I want to say this because up until now of these first four things, and I said this last week, the false teachers that are easy to see are easy to see. It's the ones that are very difficult and very deceitful to see that you and I can become deceived by and begin to follow. We've got to be so careful of them. Because false teachers can come from other apostate or deviant teachers, and they can look like, and the Bible even says that there will come in those last days wolves, and the Bible uses this phrase, in sheep's clothing. There's some, you can look at the Jesse Duplantis's and the Kenneth Copeland's and the, and the Creflo Dollars and uh, the, the uh, uh, Joyce Myers and uh, Beth Moores of this world and uh, the Bill Johnsons. You can look at all these, these apostate preachers out here and you can say, boy, there's a false teacher. But you can walk into a church of a Baptist church that holds a King James Bible on their lap and still have a teacher that is a false teacher. And those are the harder ones to discern. Those are the ones that you better know your doctrine from the Bible to be able to have discernment. And those are the ones that are the most dangerous. Because they are the ones that so often will deceive even sincere Christians. Even Christians that long to be doctrinally pure and doctrinally sound will follow after those. We've got to be so careful. Uh, I want to I show a couple of things here. Let's turn uh, uh, to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to move quickly from this point forward. I'm going to give you scriptures, but I'm not going to, I won't go so quickly that we 
don't do it justice. But I want to, I want to show you uh, four things here. I think it's four. Yep, four things <clears throat> that the Bible says about false teachers. And the first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll begin in verse number 3. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say 1 Corinthians? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Did I say 1 Corinthians? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. For some reason I thought I said that. But I fear lest by any man's as the serpent beguiled Eve through his what? Subtlety. So keep this in mind because he's, he's equating the subtlety and the deceit of the serpent with those that are going to be false teachers. They're subtle and they're deceitful. I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. By the way, uh, the, the, the things of the Word of God are simple things. You don't have to go and, and try to spiritual, over-spiritualize or draw things out of Scripture that aren't there. Just read it for what it says. If we would just do what the Bible says, we'd be taking a huge step forward. In many cases, he says, or in verse number uh, through the uh, verse number three, uh, that you should be cor- uh, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, you might receive this fellow. Again, he's subtle. He's deceitful. He can creep in there, and he can be teaching something that is not biblical. By the way, on purpose, understand that every preacher is fallible and can make a mistake. We're not talking about the mistakes. We're talking about men that intentionally, or because of their laziness to study Scripture, will, will, will just butcher the doctrine of the passage. Those are the ones we're dealing with. Those that are intentionally trying to do this. And he says this, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, <coughs> excuse me, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been throughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you may be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? Paul, you can tell by those verses, Paul is not in this for his pride. Paul doesn't care if people like him or don't like him. He's not out to make people mad. He says, I, I, I may be rude in speech, but you've got to know my heart. I, I, I know the knowledge, and I'm trying to truly manifest it to you. I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job at this. And he says in verse 8, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present uh, with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will keep myself, as the truth of Christ is in me. No man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love, uh, wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Speaking here of those that would come and teach just for the sake of getting money and getting gain. Paul said, I'm not doing that. He said, I don't care if I, if you all take care of me or not, I'm going to teach you the truth. And notice what he says in verse 14. And no marvel, 
For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And so I want to just say this, that one observation we need to know is Paul, at least in the, to the church at Corinth, criticizes those that will put up with and will be accepting of teaching and preaching that is not doctrinally sound. He, he criticizes them of that. He says, this shouldn't be. He talks about these teachers that will be transformed into ministers of righteousness. They'll look good, they'll sound good, but they will be doctrinally wrong. And Paul says, don't put up with them. Don't, don't, don't play around with it. Don't flirt with it. I, I've, I've got some friends of mine tonight that are sitting in a church because it's their church. They've been there for years. And the church has changed. And the preaching has changed. And the Bible has changed. And the music has changed. And I'm going to go so far as to say this. Their doctrine has changed. And these dear friends of mine, continue to go to that church because that's their church. That's their family. They're never going to leave. Can I tell you this, folks? I don't care how much you love the fellowship of this church. When it becomes doctrinally unsound, you need to find another church or another pastor. We've got to be so careful on this issue. By the way, I hope I'm not ever doctrinally unsound because I don't want you getting rid of me. But I will say this. I make every attempt not to be. And if there ever is that option that you think, that, boy, it is, that's, that's way off doctrinally, you come see me and show me from Scripture. And we will make it right. I promise you that. All right, number two, Paul condemns those who preach another gospel. Not only is he uh, uh, criticizing those that are accepting of it, but those that actually do the teaching and the preaching, he condemns those. Look with me in Galatians chapter number 1. Galatians chapter number 1 just over a few pages to the right. Verse number 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calleth you, uh, called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. By the way, some people say, well, this is a new gospel, another gospel. No, it's not. There's only one gospel. But there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be what? Accursed. So he criticizes those that are accepting of false teachers. He condemns those that are false teachers. And just, just to help understand the weightiness of this matter, we need to know what is the heart of God on this issue. He condemns those that do it. He criticizes and he, and he tells those that are accepting of it, don't do this. You need, you need to separate yourselves from these things. <coughs> the third one is in Colossians chapter number 2, if you want to turn over there for a moment. <coughs> Colossians chapter number 2. Paul warns them not to allow themselves to be deceived or to be enslaved um, by these philosophies, by these teachers that are substituting the truth of the gospel. Look in chapter 2 and look with me. We're going to, for sake of time, you can read the chapter. I promise you I'm not taking these out of context, but for sake of time, I'm going to look at just these verses. Look in verse number 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So he's talking here about men that would come and, and make it appeal to you. By the way, that's what the Word of Faith movement and these mega churches are doing today. They are trying to use enticing words to appeal to people. They're not worried about doctrine. 
They're going to do everything short of sin itself, is what they claim. And in many cases, they even do the sin itself in order to entice people. Look with me in verse number 8. He says this, Beware! Beware! Anytime the Bible tells me to beware, I want to perk my ears up. There's something that's important here i got to make sure I know. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of what? Man, they're adding to the Word of God. They're putting things in Scripture that are not there and not after Christ. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 16. Let no man, therefore, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days. And this was spoken of <coughs> in response to the fact that there were teachers coming in and uh, being legalistic and saying you have to follow the law in order to be saved. You have to do these things. Uh, and we are going to make sure that you abide by uh, the way you eat, the way you drink, your observance of a particular day. Uh, and if you don't do those things, then you're not saved. And so he said, don't, don't trust those men. We're saved by what? Grace, not by our works. Look at verse number 20. He says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? And again, talking here about being aware of these men who will add to Scripture. We've got to be so careful of those things. All right, First uh, John chapter four. First John chapter four. And uh, let's look in verse number one. Beloved, believe believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in, this wor in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you <coughs> than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God... He that knoweth God, notice this phrase, what? Heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. So, here's John. He's writing Scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, those that will hear this, they are of God. But they that are not going to hear these things, they're not going to hear us. He says, uh, uh, um, he that is not of God heareth not us. In other words, they're not of God. And notice what the next phrase says. Hereby, what's the next word here? Know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What is one of the great tests of a false teacher? A man that will hold to this word or a man who does not hold to this word. The man that holds to it, the man that says this book is our doctrine, is of God. The man who refuses to hear it, who will say, well, I know the Bible says this, but... And we are seeing all sorts of heresy come into the church today 
because there are men that stand in the pulpit and say, I know the Bible says this, but you're misunderstanding it. You just don't understand the heart of God on the matter. Let me enlighten you to what his heart is. doesn't matter what the Bible says. Let me share with you what I think God's heart is on the issue. And therefore, we get women preachers. Therefore, we get churches that embrace, celebrate the LGBTQ organization and group of people. Do I love those people? Am I concerned for their soul? Absolutely. Do I long for them to get saved and to turn from their sin? Absolutely. But this church will never endorse and allow that sin to come in here openly and to be accepting of it. Why? Because I know what this book says about it. You say, Pastor, that's a harsh thing to say. It is the biblical foundation that we must, must stand on. And it's important for us to know these doctrines. I'm going to end there. We're going to go one more week because I've got five more points yet. Miss Linda's got to get home before it gets dark. So this is a good stopping point. The next week, I'm going to give you five steps, uh, specific steps of tests that are given in Scripture of how we discern who these false teachers are. And uh, this one tonight, that very end one here, is a great, great test. Those that hear God's Word and uh, hold it are going to, to be right teachers. Those that will not are going to be false teachers. And really, that's the simplest thing. But there will be some that may deceive you and cause you to think, well, they're holding the Scripture when they really aren't. And we'll look at some other things that will help you next week. All right, let's go ahead and stand, and we'll be dismissed. And don't get a ticket going home, Miss Linda, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Father, we are not meaning to be mean-spirited. We are not angry at people. We're not upset over these things.